the All-Star break. Players are, I guess some guys are probably already on planes <laughs> headed toward the beach, but we are still here in American Airlines Center. It's 11.30 p.m. on Wednesday night. We are here to record another episode of Numbers on the Boards. It's me, Bobby. As always, I'm joined by Jeff Skin. Wade Skin, what's what, up? Whatever happened to our podcast, man? I don't know, man. It's been buried under a rock or something. Right? It has been. Uh, it's good to be back, though. Uh, I think our schedules weren't aligned last week, but it's good to be back. And we needed to pod going into the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. This needed to be done. Yep. So even though it's 1130 at the American Airlines Center, we're in can't stop, won't stop mode. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, the last, you know, I don't know, two weeks of basketball has been kind of haphazard. But I think tonight was a great feeling. It kind of felt like things were all right once again with the Mavericks universe as Luca was back and had a spectacular game. He did, man. Luca goes for 33 points, 12 boards, 8 assists. The Mavs beat the Kings 130-111 to to go into the All-Star break on a positive note because you're right, man. Some of these losses the last couple weeks going back to Phoenix and then Memphis and God, the uh, that game in Washington loss. was really, really – that was brutal. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to go into the break whenever you have 10 days in between games and have losses like that kind of hanging over your head. So that it was good for them to get on the right now. back home losses going into the All-Star break and you would have been below 500 at home going into the All-Star yeah, break. Yeah, which is – Really bad. So and, and losing against a losing team. And, I mean, Sacramento beat the Mavs earlier this year, and they've had success against them in recent seasons. But, I mean, dude, you cannot mess around at this time of year against teams that are 10, 12 okay. games under. I'm not going to lie. I have not watched the Kings play in a while. Okay. Nine games ago, going into this game, they put Buddy Hield and they flipped uh, Bogdanovich and Buddy Hield. Hield has been coming off the bench. And in that stretch, they have been 6-3. and three. They had, like, a nice win against the Clippers, for example. They had some nice wins. And so, doing a little research for the game, I was thinking, okay, they're on a nice stretch. All right, they've been they've been getting after it. Let's see what this is like. Good God, that's a bad defensive team. Yeah, well, this is a – to me, it was they like – They were a, covering nobody. It's the last game before the All-Star yeah, break. Like, point. wacky stuff happens. And That's a good point. I mean, you heard – you know, you'd hear joking about kind of guys already being on break even last week. Right. I mean, we're going back days. It's just the finish line is in sight. And, like, the Kings, there's no way those guys are going home. You know, they're, right, right. They're, they're staying here overnight, and they're probably catching the first flight out to Cancun or yeah. Barbados, Turks and Caicos, wherever they're going. Right. Uh, so – you know, I think especially when you're on the road, uh, and they've been on the road, I guess, for a few days because they were in Milwaukee before they came here. So they've probably been away for like four or five days, and they're just like, dude, get me out of here. Are those dudes going to have clothes shipped to them, or did they pack for this long? I have no idea. I mean, I, you know what? That's a good they question. They probably have like – all those dudes probably have someone in their crew that can handle that. Yeah, yeah, or meet up. You know, if these guys have family, like HB, I'm sure his wife yeah. probably – had an extra suitcase with her for right. his stuff. Uh, by the way, he's growing a 500 beard. Did you notice okay, that? what a terrible idea. Did I he know. not know what their record was? Dude, and right before the All-Star break, too. I mean, because that's another 10 days that he's going to have to go where they're not they don't, They're not getting any closer to 500 over the yeah, break. Yeah, and he's not even, like, really trying to groom it. He's just, like, letting it grow. Mm-hmm. Um, man. Well, it's grown in scraggly for him before, but yeah. now it, it's starting to look like a college professor. Like we're getting Yeah, no, he point. looks hip. Yeah. I told him, so I walked up for the game and he was talking to Casey and I didn't know what they were talking about and I walked up and I go dude the beard that style of beard looks good on you and him and Casey just died laughing like yeah I'm already wondering about this decision but they're what 11 games but they're now he's gonna have that beard till one and 33 he's having that beard till next year homie 
Yeah, well, McMahon said until either their 500 or the end of the season. So well, we'll I think he's going to have about 28 more games. He's going to have he. They're not reaching 500. Yeah, although if they do win two games for every three that they play, then they would do something they haven't done all year. It would also take them until. He ain't, he ain't shaving that beard on me. <laughs> yeah, that, that's... And he's not even going to be able like. to get a shot off with Buddy Heald around, so I don't know yeah. what he's going to do to oh shave that God. beard. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, it, it, there there are some, like, again, the Kings beat the Mavs earlier this season, and so, like, we can I only like cast their, so many stones. They've had, they've had a lot of injuries, dude. Yeah, they have. And tonight, you know, they're missing, uh, of course, Marvin Bagley. Holmes. Uh, yeah, Rashawn Holmes, who's probably, like, their best player, not even joking. And he's a... a legendary Mavs killer yeah uh, Alex Lynn Mavs is out are interested too. in him by the way yeah yeah and uh, Alex Lynn is out so that's three centers that were out yeah uh, Harry Giles has been starting well he moves to the bench Jabari Parker who they just traded for hasn't played yet because right. he's hurt so I mean they're like they're trying to scrap it together they were playing Barnes at center for I thought a he, lot of this game and I thought he competed his ass he off. did he played hard man he played really that's really that's him going there fighting for boards uh yeah, I feel bad for him though. He's going to be keeping that beard, man. Yeah. Don't don't you though? Like, uh, just looking at their team and their players, don't you like that team? I do. I absolutely I like that do. team. I want to see. I know that everybody makes Bagley a meme, and the Baffling Kings took Bagley over Luca and everything. But I'm a I'm a Bagley, if Bagley fan. is healthy. Like, yeah. if you go and and now you know with the trades they made at the deadline, it pretty much clears up the space for them to sign Bogdanovich and still mm-hmm. kind of be around the cap. Mm-hmm. If you go into next season with Fox, Bogdanovich, Buddy, Barnes, and Bialica and Bagley, and that's, that's like your your top six, that's really good. Killer bees, bro. I yeah, love it. That's a lot of – that's way too many bees. Some Wu-Tang me. stuff. Yeah, we got to we gotta diversify our alphabet a little bit. Did but, you see uh, all that Luca, Luke Walton trash talk tonight? I did. I, I didn't – you know, I'm sitting up in the press box, so we can't hear anything, uh-huh. but I did see after a couple shots that Luca made in the third – Kind of, you know, sort of. Oh, he was going there. at him. Or maybe it was the first half, even. He was going. It was I, like all game, kind of. I, mean, I it think was, it was pretty much the whole game. I'm trying to remember the exact moment. Maybe it was early third quarter. Mm. It's kind of running together to me. But dude, it was the. It was every time Luca did something, he was letting Luke Walton know. Yeah. And then he jumped on Luke Walton when Luke Walton got that tech when he was real demonstrative towards. Uh, the very sweet, I say sweet, I don't know if she's sweet, but the female ref mm. who, you know, when there's a smaller person, you see a big person lunging and you're like, hey, mm. uh, but her name is Jenna Schroeder. Mm. Uh, that's the first game I'd ever, you know, seen her referee. I haven't noticed her referee. I didn't recognize any of the officials. Was it Ed Malloy down there? Yeah, that was O. Ed Malloy. Okay. Oh, Ed Malloy. Yeah, oh, Ed Malloy. But the, his other two, I, I didn't recognize either of them. Yeah, that was the first game I'd definitely seen her. Yeah. Uh, and so anyways, Luca got mad when at Luke when he got that tech oh, towards wow. her. Wow. It became very personal. And, you know, the top assistant is his co- uh, coach in Slovenia mm. uh, that was coach of the Suns last year. And you have two EuroLeague legends on that team in Bielica and Bogdanovic. Yeah, Luka yeah, Luka always yeah. kind of gets up to play yeah. the Kings. But, dude, it was like – it was relentless trash talk towards Luke Walton. Like, wow. relentless trash talk. Whatever you need to motivate you, man. Yeah. There are guys that have uh, – in, in my limited experience sitting courtside for games, there have been some guys that – We'll let Rick know a little bit oh, every yeah. now and then. And obviously, like, D.A. is is very, very, very kind of the the king of standing up and yelling behind someone when they shoot. He's chatter happy. Pat, Pat and some other guys have yeah. uh, hit a shot right in front of D.A. and stared him down for a little bit, too. So it's, it's all in good fun. Yeah. You know, it's all in good fun. I don't think it's anything mean. It's, you know, I'm sure it's – I mean, I just – I grew up playing basketball, and so it's like trash talk during basketball is just – I just so associate it with it. Mm. Like, I can't separate the two Mm. because it's such an interpersonal sport, you know. Um, 
anyways, I, I, I just really, really enjoyed watching all that unfold. Yep. It was a blast. Yeah, it was fun. And, and, you know, the thing I think, at least for me, Bobby, and I think I've seen this a lot on Twitter and media stuff, I think because of the, the way the injuries have been staggered, I think people have forgotten how good the Mavericks are. Mm-hmm. I think they're, you know, I see a lot of, you know, well, this is a problem and this is a problem. I'm like, I don't uh, disagree with that, but I don't think it's a problem when Luke and Porzingis are healthy and this team is healthy. And I think there's a good chance that when we get back on the other side of the All-Star break, this team will be really healthy and ready to go. Yeah, Obviously, Dwight Powell's not coming back, but but that's not going to happen until mid-next year or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they're 28-15 and 15 whenever Luka plays. Mm-hmm. And they're, I want to say, 21-12 and 12 now when KP and Luka both play. And one of those 12 losses was the Miami game when Luka played two minutes. Right. So, really, you're winning two out of every three games when those two guys play together. And Porzingis is really looking good. Yeah, dude. He looked like a total freak tonight. So, have you he noticed? incredible. I don't know. When you, you, I mean, you're around the team so much. Maybe you noticed sooner than me. I feel like it was about two and a half weeks ago. But, man, he's doing the face-up crossover stuff that Kevin Durant does. Mm-hmm. Bro, that's a game changer. It's been something that he was working on. I mean, he did that a little bit in the preseason, um, but his handle was just very loose at the beginning of the year and almost to the point where when he put it on the floor, someone stripped him. I mm-hmm. mean, it was it, he was kind of a pretty frequent turnover guy at the beginning of the year whenever he would dribble, but he started working with Sham. They started doing a lot of ball handling drills that he used to do with Harrison Barnes, just like really basic, like – Pound it twice, cross over, pound it twice, cross over. Yep. Keep it low to the ground. Don't mm-hmm. dribble in front of you. Dribble it to your side. I mean, it's such a tall guy. You gotta protect even the if ball. you dribble it at your hip, that's yeah. such a that's that's a, you become a huge target, you know. It's 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 uh it's it's such basic stuff, but you know, I've coached my son's team and I coached my daughter's team before this, is it's just so easy to show them. It's so much easier to control the ball. When you're lower to the ground, because there's just less distance and you can change direction faster. Mm-hmm. And the best example that I always saw is Jamal Mashburn was, you know, six seven, six eight, built like a linebacker, two forty. But that guy dribbled so low to the ground that his crossover, he crossed dudes up all the time because big dudes couldn't, they couldn't change direction that fast. And so obviously, naturally, big guys are further away from the ground. So in order to have that low crossover, they got to get lower to the ground. Because that's how you change direction with the ball. And the stuff that he is doing now reminds me of Kevin Durant, ISO face up. Mm. And it is it is attack, shot, hunt. I'm about to smoke your ass. I got a live dribble. You're toast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he can't, to your point about getting low, he can't really get too low because the center of gravity is so high. Yeah. And so we've seen him sometimes when he puts the ball on the floor, he'll kind of like bend over at the waist and he falls down or trips or Mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, miss dribbles it. So there will be some hiccups like that. But I think one way he compensates for that is um, pump faking on the three and going into them to get them to take a step back. And as soon as their momentum goes backwards, then he can hit them with just even an average crossover. Yeah. And step back is enough to lose them because if you're seven feet, yeah, it's tough to – no one's that agile. Yeah. I mean, nobody is. Right. uh, Except for Anthony Davis. Yeah, and and KP. Yeah. But uh, we're starting to see KP do the Embiid thing too where he'll just pump fake from the top of the arc and just drive all the way to the basket. 
I mean, he did that tonight. He had a finger roll on Bielitsa, which was really, really nice because a lot of the times he'll put it on the floor and kind of do like a running, like hook fadeaway, sort of like floating shot. Uh-huh. But he just went right into Bielitsa tonight, yeah. got all the way to the rim. So I think yeah, part once of Bielitsa had three fouls on him, he was like, oh, it was open season. Yeah, but that's that's what confidence is, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that so much of this is like. Well, what can Rick do to get KP the ball in better situations? What can Luca do? How can these guys help him? I think part of it is just like he just needs to play more games yeah. and he'll get used to all of it. And I think we're starting to see that uh, sort of bear fruit a little bit, just being more comfortable on the floor and knowing where he likes the ball within the offense. We're starting to see him just kind of take over games for long stretches. I've never uh, at any point in the season panicked about him, not once, but I was guilty of – uh, unrealistic early expectations. Me too. Me too. You know, but I was never like because I just I've seen the player and I know what the player can do, and so I'm like, well, I don't understand why people are freaking out. You know what we have. You know who the coach is. It'll get there. I mean, I don't think like the guy's done physically. He watch him move. He moves great. He's a great athlete at that size. This will come together. And it's just really coming together at the right time. Yeah, and even the baseline from where he started, and I know that nobody wants a guy that's on a max deal to be like an average efficient player, but at his worst earlier this season, he was like 17, 18 points, seven, eight boards, two blocks on average efficiency. Yeah. Maybe like slightly below average because his three-point shot wasn't falling very well, very right. consistently. Um, and it's still not. He has some off nights, but I want to say for the most part over the last two weeks, he's been pretty stable, like right good. around like 35, 40%, which is yeah. really, really nice. And right. mixing in better twos. Tonight he had some uh, baskets in the post, mm-hmm. banked one in, I think, and hit a fadeaway and had a crossover uh, late shot clock, kind of like 20 footer. Yep. I'd like to maybe see some of those long twos come behind the line, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, but yeah, he's, dude, he's looking really, really good. Three blocks, five assists, too. Moved the ball very well. So we haven't talked about Willie. We were, we were sitting here walking, getting ready to come in here and, and do the pod. We're like, have we talked about Willie Colley Stein yet? We have not. We have I don't not. Think. We well, need so to, the don't last we? time that we talked, I want to say, was his team debut. That okay. was against. Phoenix. That may not be true. Who could know uh, these things? Me. I know the last time we talked was against Phoenix. In fact, it was his team debut because they traded for him on the 25th, 26th. Wasn't with the team. Met the team up in OKC. Was not in uniform. Phoenix was his team debut. So right. we did not talk about him at all. That is is a production meeting that we just had right there. Yeah, it's okay. Just, yeah, uh, know, let's talk about Willie and MKG, and we got to talk about Luca a little bit too. Uh, but first, can I give shout-outs to our, our friends at Bedgear? Oh, I love this. Okay, so Skin, I've talked all year about how I have their pillow, and I really like it. I just got a Bedgear bed, a mattress. Did you? It's a sleep system, the Atta M3. Dude, it is so nice. Yeah. It is so nice. I, it would, not only is it like comfortable and everything, but and I'll talk about that too, all you want, but it was my first time putting a mattress together, or like getting one, you know, um, and you open the box and like pull it out of the wrapping and it just expands like that. It was, it's incredible. It was, it was really fun. You saw sleep science unfold, right? Dude, before it was amazing. Eyes. You're like the chassis is getting big and then the stuff that goes inside is getting big too. Uh, it was really cool, but, um, been very comfortable, been on it for about a week now. Super, Good. super nice. Uh, the thing that I'm impressed most with though, and I have, I'm a very like easy to impress person in general, but the sheets stay cool. Yeah. It's like the entire bed is the other side of the pillow. And I've never slept on anything like that before. And it's very, very comfortable for me because I'm like, I'm a very particular, like, 
small-minded person when it comes to sleeping in certain temperatures. I have to be cold, otherwise I can't sleep uh-huh. at all. And uh, so I've slept like a baby for the last week or so. That's great. So, you know, the scientists can do all sorts of things. We just needed them to focus on sleep. Yeah. And now everybody's happy. Dude. Thank that's you, Bedgear. This is one of the things where, like, you spend so much time trying to keep people healthy while they're awake, but we just forget that your body actually heals better at night. Mm. Like, it just recovers at night naturally yeah. Yeah. if you sleep well. Yeah. So uh, shout-outs to Bedgear. Good job, Bedgear. Okay. Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah. He has now played, I don't know what, Eight games, yeah, sure. ten games. Some nights, plays a lot. I want to say he was very involved in that Charlotte game, for example. He was. He started, I think, in Atlanta or against Atlanta, or at least played a lot off the bench in the that Charlotte game. Charlotte game was the double-double game, wasn't it? That was the game where 15 and 10 yeah. and uh, zero misses. Yeah. Um, and then other seven. games like tonight didn't get in until very end. Uh, there was another game recently against, I want to say, Memphis. Barely played at all. So it's kind of been like up and down in terms of minutes. I think it's pretty clear why Sacramento's not playing a center. So why mm-hmm. would you play a center? Right. right? Um, other games, Charlotte plays guys like Zeller and Biombo and those guys. So you're going to play your big men. Uh, what have you thought about Willie so far? And I guess, I mean, we don't need to rehash old news. This is like two or three weeks ago. We know why they got him. Right. Uh, but how have you liked what you've seen from him in the time that he's been here? I've liked what I've seen. The thing I like the most is how he runs the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously a stud athlete at that size. Just ridiculous. Um, but, you know, as we've always talked about, you know, there's just uh, decisive athletic actions that lead to other things. And when you have an athlete that's that good running hard down the middle of the floor, guys have to account for that, and that opens up other things in your transition. So I like the size. I like the athleticism. Um, you know, I don't mean this. I mean, I've seen some of this chatter out there, and I, and I, I don't mean this in, like, a callous way or anything, but um, he's not the, you know, the rim runner that Dwight was, but that was because Dwight had been here for a very long time and had worked on it relentlessly with this group. And so to just think that Willie Cauley-Stein is going to just jump right in and do what Dwight does, it ain't going to happen. There's going to have to be some time together. There's a science to this. And I think people are realizing that. But, dude, he immediately, just his athleticism and size, adds a very much-needed element. And I also like his personality. Uh, I think it's nice to have his personality here because he stands out and he's unique and interesting and wants to be here. What's in the briefcase? (laughs) Who could know? I need you to do a little bit of of, uh, reporting here. He's a guy with a lot of bits. Yeah. Like, and I'm in on all of them. Yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed the brief exchanges I've had with him. I think he's I think he's a cool dude. He's a cool guy. So before we took off to go to Washington last week, that's part of the reason we couldn't record last week. Also, you have a nice radio show. Uh, 97 won the Eagle. That is weekdays 2 to 5. 2 to 5. We're back to Ben and Skin Show on the legendary 97 won the Eagle, the rock of Dallas-Fort Worth. You had the GOAT on today. You had Cuban on on what? Monday. What day is it? Today's Wednesday. Okay. So you had Cuban on on Monday. Yep. Today, uh, you had one of the only people alive in Dallas that are more... Uh, maybe <laughs> beloved than Cuban. Right? Yeah. It's a very short list. Dirk, yeah. I think, is the guy. Dirk's amazing. Say. Love uh, him so much. And when we when we knew we were going to uh, make our debut, Ben and I were thinking, all right, what are ways to make splashes? And Ben sent uh, Dirk a DM, slid up in his DMs like, hey, man, this means a lot. And Dirk is immediately like, done. When do you need me? Dude, awesome. Awesome. And if you missed it, there was some news in there about uh, – 
an important mi- uh, what are you, not even a milestone, an important piece of hardware that will be presented outside of the arena. So it's real funny. Cuban, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, no, no. But, well, Cuban was talking. We had him on Monday, and he was talking about Dirk going, you know, I've sent designs of the statue over to Dirk for him to look over. And so uh, the way Dirk operates, and you've seen this up close, his foundation is run by, he's a big part of it, obviously, but Jessica's a huge part of it, his yep. wife. And then also Leslie Berry, who, you know, if you've worked for the Mavs, you know Leslie, and she now works for the Dirk Nowitzki Foundation. And then in the middle of all this is the amazing Laura Beth Seeger, who is a legend. So she puts together halftime shows. Like, she put Shakira and Jennifer Lopez together. Forty one twenty one one was... Yeah, she that was she was behind that. that. She is the one, along with Jessica, who's involved... In the statue for Dirk. Dirk is not sitting here designing his statue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. if, I mean, but Matt fans know that, you know, Dirk's not going to. But he's got people around him, you know, that will help guide all of that stuff. Yep. And Laura Beth put together Dirk's retirement ceremony and all that. Did mm. I? Uh, yep, I'm sorry. I just kicked a, kicked a cord there. Make it's sure a I'm little wild. You were talking about it, Dirk. It's nah, I got excited. My fancy. legs went crazy. Uh, but, yeah, Cuban also said, I believe, uh, what Dirk uh, jersey retirement early, early next, next year. season is yep. what he said. Yep. Uh, and then Dirk talked a little bit about uh, that statue. If you did not hear that, by the way, I believe you retweeted yes uh, a link to the audio the earlier tonight. But you can also just go to what Ben and Skin on Twitter. I think. Yeah. Uh, so at uh, Ben and Skin all spelled out. We blast out links to our podcast from the show if you missed the show. Excellent. So Excellent. yeah, go check out Dirk and Cuban. I think Mavs fans will like it all. Mm, yeah, definitely. It's, if Dirk talks, you gotta listen. You gotta listen. So last week, whenever we went to Washington, we're on the plane. Uh, the way the Mavs plane is laid out is players are in front, coaches are in the middle, and everybody else is in the back. That's a little bit of team staff. Uh, any traveling media, TV people, all of us were just, there's like 30 people in the back. It's the biggest section of the plane. I guess the players get more room, but I'm talking sheer number of people mm-hmm. are in the back of the plane. Right. Players rarely ever venture back there because, frankly, it's a long walk. They don't need anything back there. There's no reason. Like, the, they have a bathroom. They got their food up there. They don't right. need any of us, you know. Right. Um, but uh, as we're about to take off, not like as we're cruising down the runway, but, like, everyone's on the plane and everyone's kind of sitting down, minding their own business. Willie comes back and just one by one shakes everybody's hand. Cool. In the back and just says, hey, what's up? How are you? Just kind of saying hello. He's know? an outgoing guy. Yeah. He's got a yeah. great personality. Oh, and I love hearing that. Yeah. Just just a cool guy. Just smiling, yeah. having fun. I mean, he he's seems to enjoy to himself. Here, yeah, he's man. happy to be in the NBA. Yeah. And he's happy to be in Dallas because this is the situation for him. And I, as the same could be said for MKG, too. If you spend a lot of your career – being kind of a, uh, I guess, a, a complementary piece or a peripheral piece, even if you're a starter on a team that underperforms or doesn't mm-hmm. go to the playoffs or has a lot of funny characters that, you know, usually some wacky things are already happening, then you can you can kind of develop a little bit of a reputation, right? right. And uh, in his case, this is year number five for him in the NBA, I believe. That's Rookie sad. contract expired Same last year. Same year as Porzingis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so yep. first year of his second contract, mm-hmm. well – both of those guys were top six picks in 2015. Right. KP signed a $150 million contract last summer. Willie Colley-Stein signed for the room exception. Right. So he's at a point in his career where if he's going to make money, if he's going to last in the league, if he's going to have a future, he's got to prove it. Right. Yeah. So getting out of Golden State and coming to Dallas, a team that will 
almost certainly be in the playoffs. He'll have a, a chance to play playoff minutes either in the postseason or at least significant minutes for the team down the stretch as they try and qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine against teams like the Lakers and the uh, Nuggets especially that play big, he will have a lot of opportunities against them. Yeah, um, This is a guy who I think understands that not only is this a good situation for him to just go to a winning team and experience success, but at the time that it it this opportunity arrives to him in his career, it's kind of a crossroads moment right? yeah. for him and for MKG, yeah. who's only 26 years old, but he's on the last year of his deal. So, he, like, he, these guys are both playing for their futures. Yeah, and my understanding is that the reason that uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist came here is because – like the same reason we're the, all the nice things we've said about Dorian. It's like this is a great player development place. Mm. It reminded me a little bit of when Aminu came here, you know, and the Mavericks were like, why'd you stop shooting threes? We're going to fix that. You know, in order for you to be the kind of player you need to be, we need to fix all this. You need to be confident shooting the ball. Carlisle mentioned that MKG's become better at shooting in the corners, right? Um, His actual form looks way better. Yeah, and now everyone's tweeting that photo of him, like his elbows, like on the wrong side of his face. That was like almost ten years ago. It's, yeah, he's, he's he has a normal looking jump shot now, and and he's got great work ethic, and and I think the thing that Rick's ecstatic about it is he competes. Hmm. So you know, it's just uh, you really never truly know. I mean, I, I as Mike Reiner, I heard say this, and he was so right. You really never truly know about a guy until you get him in your hometown and see him every day. You watch a guy from afar. You read stories or whatever. Uh, all the stuff that people say about Michael Kidd Gilchrist is very positive. Um, but, you know, if you're not going to be a consistent outside shooter, I mean, this is a discussion we had about Dorian going into the year. Yep. It's like we, well, if he's not going to be a good outside shooter, they're going to be making decisions between him and Justin. And, man, Dorian has stepped up and he's flourished offensively. And we know what he means to rebounding and defense. It's just exceptional. And so if I'm a guy like MKG, I'm looking at Dorian going, I need to develop like him. I mean, because, dude, he was, was he the second player picked? He was in the number two pick in 2012. He yeah. was on that Kentucky team with AD, I think Deron Lamb, Marquise Teague, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, someone else is yelling the last guy on the team, but I don't remember who it was. Right. Uh, Darius Miller, maybe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he was the number two pick in the draft, went to the Bobcats. The Bobcats chose him over Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. which, I mean, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, this is kind of it for him. Now, is it, was it just a one-year deal? Is that I, I, d- I haven't I seen any see. details of this. I'm assuming it's just for the rest of the year. Yeah, I didn't Sometimes see when guys get bought out, they sign a multi-year deal. Right. Um, of course, he was making, what, $13 million this year, so right. money's not really an issue. Right. So he could definitely afford to bet on himself. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think Dallas does have a, a reputation as not even, like, I think saying rehabilitating your image or your, your reputation. That's probably a step too far. Um, but if you're a guy who is looking to get better, especially at shooting, mm-hmm. it's a pretty good program for you, I think. They develop players. Yeah. They really do. Yeah. There are teams around the league that do it. Toronto does it. Mm-hmm. Dallas does it. San Antonio, obviously. Yeah, San Antonio, of course, does it. But, I mean, and like Boston. You play for good coaches, crazy, you get better. Yeah, hey, how I about mean, that's that, That's the right? wild thing about the NBA. Good organizations. This is a very st- – oh, man. We're sitting here talking about stable organizations. There's very few organizations as stable as Miami. Yeah. Look at the dudes they've developed. Dude, Duncan it's, Robinson Oh, is, my God lights out it is very that is a look i know we're supposed to hate the heat but as a basketball fan and i know we're supposed to hate the spurs 
as a basketball fan, I can step back and look at those organizations and go, damn. And what are we talking about with the, the Mavericks and the Heat and the Spurs? Stability, a system, an organization, a culture. And look at these guys mm. uh, that they've developed. Look at – so not to stray too far off course, I guess, but look at – the the level of like buzz and interest that Robert Covington was able to generate on the trade market, mm-hmm. and now like compare his numbers to Dorian's, right? And uh, compare the contracts and do the same thing for Maxi and for someone like Jalen Brunson, who even though he had a he had a pretty bad game tonight, he's been very good and makes a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And those are arguably three of like the best contracts in the NBA. Probably. Absolutely. And uh, they're all on this team, right? But I, I just felt like throwing that out there. I don't know. You're I, right. I don't. I don't really know what that's good for. But it's, um, you know what it's good for? It's good for perspective. Yeah, it's good. You know, sports is so emotional, and people get so revved up into it, which is great. You know, I mean, I really think that's a cool thing. But it's so easy to look, you know, lose perspective, and be so outraged by what's happening at the moment. Um, but, man, just step back and look at the health of the organization. They have done a complete 180 to where the final couple seasons of Dirk was like, where are we going with this thing? Boy, we desperately need uh, some things to change. And, you know, whenever Donnie's got something tough he's got to do, he just seems to pull it out, man. It's really, really awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, it's up and down the bench, too. Dorian and Maxie, obviously, two huge steps forward. Jalen Brunson, they're banking on him, taking another another step here at some point. Uh, still only year two for him. Obviously, Luka and KP, Dwight Powell. But, I mean, Seth Curry, too, man. He's averaging a career high in points per 36. He's Seth, averaging I was – I interviewed Seth after the game for the postgame show. Does he really want the All-Star break? He's playing out of his He's mind. He's playing out of his mind. I go, do you really want this? And he goes, oh, yeah, I want it. <laughs> he's wearing a bucket hat thinking about the beach. Yeah. But dude, dude, he's, probably already, he's probably already in Mexico right yeah. now. Yeah. But he is uh, – I love the way he's playing. He's playing great. And he makes, what, $8 million a year? I love him and DeLon off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they've had some misses, I think. Everyone can say that. But, dude, it's all of these guys. I mean, and, and put yourself now in – Willie Colley Stein shoes, MKG shoes, especially a guy like Kid Gilchrist. Uh, you compared him to Aminu. Well, after Aminu left here, he got a $35 million contract. Yeah. After spending he, one year in Dallas. And I was talking really specifically about Aminu's situation coming here and all that. But you know who MKG reminds me of is a bigger Tony Allen. I can see that. I mean, that's that's the style of player that Maybe he is. Maybe not as just like outwardly mean. I but, loved Tony Allen. Yeah, dude. yeah, no, no, no I'm, but you know, you know what I mean. I mean, yeah. Tony Allen was like a kind of a fireball. Yeah, but but I mean, it's you know, but the thing is, is they they probably have different personalities, but the level uh, at which they compete at, I mean, those dudes both went hard all the time, and they had similar defensive acumen, mm. and you're sitting there going, okay, I need you to be a cutter, you know, it's like. But, man, Tony Allen just hung around and got offensive rebounds and drew blood and just, you know, just that level of, you know, Carlisle calls it playing with force. Mm. That's what I think MKG could be here. But, of course, the NBA has changed since Tony Allen matters. So, uh, Rick was calling uh, MKG a four and a five. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he shoots 40% from the corners. Yeah, and, there you go. Uh, Aminu got a $30 million deal. I'm wrong. Jay Crowder got a $35 million okay. deal. Both of those guys played in Dallas. So, it's, it's yep. they've been on kind of a hot streak there. 
of course, all of these guys are playing well in part because of Luca, mm-hmm. who came back tonight. 33 points. We alluded to it earlier. Um, I mean, I don't know how much to look into just one game because it is the NBA. It's one of 82, and also it's the last game before the All-Star break, and the Kings don't really have anyone to defend him on their roster. Not that many teams do. Right. Um, but I really like the way he played tonight. I think that goes without saying it was a new look for them in that Luca's only played, what, like two or three games with, since Powell went out? Is that right? I hadn't even thought about I that. I mean, Powell got hurt on the 21st, so you got to scrap the – that game doesn't matter. He got fir- hurt in, like, the first quarter. Right. You, you make no adjustments in that game. Uh, then they played Portland, Utah, OKC, and Phoenix. And so you've played, what, four games since Powell went out. One of those was a blowout when Luka and KP were both sitting down by halftime against mm-hmm. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. This is the first time, I think, since that happened that it was KP starting at the five and it being pretty much exclusively Luka KP pick and roll. I mean, yeah. almost for the entire game. You know, so interesting, before the game, Rick was talking about Luka. I mean, I'm sorry, talking about KP as the five and the roll guy. I'm talking about we want him to roll more because we think he's a great roller, and he talked about his ability to make passes out of the roll. He did that first He did that, game. like, very early in the game and made a brilliant pass with three guys hanging on him for a wide-open three in the corner. Career-high time, five assists. Is that right? Yeah. How about that? His, the other time he got that career-high, by the way, was this season. Okay. Tim Hardaway Jr., six assists, too. Mm-hmm. He's averaged, like, four a game since Luka went down. Man, Tim has been – I mean, like, who has let you down this year? I think the only like the only real disappointment I think for me is Justin Jackson, but even yeah. then, I mean he had like a great month and a half, and right. for the last two months has been going through it. So He's it's been like struggling. half a season has been tough. Half a right. season was really good. Like he was really really good earlier right. in the year. But he's uh, you know because of how good the team is, he's at the back part of the bench, and he's going to have to fight the way Brokoff did. Yep. And I really hate that he's gone. Yeah, I mean, me love that dude. Yeah. Uh, but that's the NBA. You bring in somebody else, and then hopefully that person goes on to the next thing. And I would imagine teams always need shooting. Ryan will catch on. Yeah, and there's a few. Like Houston, I know, has a couple roster spots open. I always lose track of who needs players at the trade deadline because you have so many like four-for-one trades just to clear bench spots, basically. Um, but I'm sure he'll he'll figure something out. Yeah, the accountant. I hope he goes to Milwaukee. I don't even know what their situation yeah, is. I just be, want him to make the playoffs in the East. It's not in the West because then, yeah. I, like, if the Mavs play the Rockets and Brokoff's on the Rockets, I might have to root for Houston. Uh, oh, whoa, that's <laughs> a lot of love. Wow. Yeah, no, no hey, I man, that is nothing outrageous. comes between me and my accountant. But um, yeah. That, By the way. Did you know that uh, on Basketball Reference they list that as a nickname? Do they really? Would you mind? I'll look it up. Well, or whatever. What was the inception of that nickname? Anyway, I, I that made that up. Come, that was you on a broadcast, dude. I said he looked like Ryan from Accounting. Oh my god! And then Followell loved it, and Followell it's started. It's on there. Yeah, I'm I'm responsible for that. For Holy that cow. website having a Ryan Brokoff nickname of the account. Can you accountant. sign my laptop? <laughs> Give me a, a – but I, it was just kind of the joke about how unassuming he was. Yeah. Oh, it's like Ryan from accounting. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then uh, – oh, you can, come, you can come in if you want. We're just podcasting, ma'am. Okay, I love you. Um, but, uh, yeah, I feel like that's my greatest contribution to basketball reference. Wow. <laughs> you know, back in the day, you used to be able to, like, own a page. Uh-huh. Your name should be on that page. Oh, man, I agree. I'll buy it on your behalf. Please do. Care. Um, but yeah, uh, Luca KP pick and roll this season. The Mavs not counting this game. In fact, let me check. I'll do some one-handed typing. But uh, bef- coming into this game, 
The Mavs are scoring 1.24 points per possession anytime Porzingis screened for Luka. Okay, give me One, that again. 1.24 okay. points per possession. It's still really Anytime damn high. Porzingis screened for Luka, which is basically uh, you get five possessions, you're scoring. Ah, I did the math wrong. You you have ten possessions. You're. I need something divisible by eight. All right, I'm coming so up next. out of. I'm so out of it, dude. I've on Twitter today like thirty typos. Just really? I'm so an all star break. Mode. And it's it's really hard the pressure of being smart all the time. I I tweeted this the other day because it really <laughs> happened. I was trying to type the word fantastic uh, and it came out data stud, dude. And then nice. I put that out there on Twitter and people were like, oh, you must have been sending a text message to Bobby hey. if you're talking about the data stud. Hey, wow, that is a lot of pressure. Uh, you have eight possessions, you're scoring 10 points. That's what that means. Yeah. <laughs> 1.24 points per possession. Of course, you have 100 possessions in a game, so you can do the math from there. Right. That's 125 points. But uh, that's a lot of points. That's more than they scored whenever Dwight screened for Luka. Oh, it is? Yeah. And so this is where I guess I don't. we don't need to – be, we can be as philosophical as you want to be. How about uh-huh. this? I, I don't want to lead you too down, far down any road, but um, there is a disconnect, and it's even apparent in my mind. There's a disconnect between the way we perceive KP Luca, that whole dynamic, mm-hmm. and the reality of it. And the reality is, obviously, the record is great, the offense is great, the performance is great, Luca's numbers are great whenever they play together. KP sometimes up and down, but beyond him just making shots – there's really like no room for improvement there, just purely from an X's and O's standpoint. However, in my mind, when I was idealizing, like, what is fully realized Luca KP? What what is that duo? What do they do together? I was thinking more in the traditional like, because Luca's point guard, teams will defend him with smaller players because those guys gave him problems last year. Well, they don't anymore, mm-hmm. so that's out of the way. But what I was thinking was. It's going to be a lot of point guards and twos defending Luka. And so when KP screens for Luka, they're going to switch that. Luka will kill the big guy, and KP will kill the little guy. Mm-hmm. But really what's happening is KP's being guarded by threes and fours. Mm-hmm. Luka's being guarded by threes and fours. And so when they switch, there's really no advantage. Yeah. And so sometimes it has kind of bogged down, but that's where like Dorian and Tim taking such steps forward as shooters has really helped. But uh, they went away from Luka KP and more toward Luka Dwight because – Dwight is just such a bomb-ass pick-and-roll center. I yeah. mean, th- that was like a cheat code. So you didn't have to go to Luka KP as much. But now that KP's playing five, well, you have to defend him with your five. Yeah. Because otherwise, he's who's he guarding? Right. And so I think that mismatch kind of presents itself again. And then tonight, you know, they're guarding Luka with Corey Joseph. And so that was pretty easy to exploit early on yeah. in the post as well. But uh, I-, I think – I mean, maybe I was wrong in that – all year I've kind of felt like it's looked clunky, but I think that's only because of the way teams are defending them and not because of their chemistry or whatever you want to call it. Um, but they found other ways to beat teams by using another guy in the pick and roll or by Luca isoing or going to Tim, you know, swinging it to the other side of the floor. I mean, they have an answer for everything. Even if KP's shooting numbers are low, that doesn't necessarily mean you got to, like, change the entire complexion of your system right. just to make one guy make more open threes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The the performance has been there. Yeah, I, I I agree, and and that's why I'm to the point where like theorizing, well, a guy's got to step up at this time and do this at this time and share the ball. I don't even think about any of that. All I care about is their health, mm-hmm. because I'm just convinced that if those two guys are at full health and the rest of the team stays relatively healthy, they they can do damage. It's just too difficult to guard all of that. They're good enough. 
like in, in, aside from system and all that sort of stuff, just in a vacuum, do you think most NBA GMs are taking Chris Middleton or Kristaps Porzingis? I don't know. I mean, probably KP. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. Middleton rules, dude. Middleton's but, great. But He's a yeah, really good I mean, player. But if you're a GM, you're gonna which one are you gonna? Yeah, I mean, if you're like building a team and everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so, who is the second best player in the best team in the NBA? Is Milwaukee the best team in the NBA? Yeah. Who's the second best player? Middleton. Okay. So, you follow me? How many second best players are better than KP? Anthony Davis and Paul George? Uh, yep. Um, and, I mean, maybe, J- I don't know, Jason Tatum, I guess, if you really want to go down that road, but I'm not could. sure. Nah, that's okay. I mean, I think that's a fair. I mean, KP's also, like, a pretty stout defender, too. I mean, he's he's been a monster. He's been a monster. And he's just now kind of starting to – I was watching the Stars last night, actually, and they were – Daryl Ray was talking about Corey Perry, of all people, and how he's starting to skate better. And he said Perry had major knee surgery a couple years ago and then came back, rehabbed, got hurt again, had another surgery, missed the season, and then started kind of coming back. Uh, he missed the start of the year with the Stars. I think he started playing like in November right. or December. And he said usually after a surgery like that, it takes about a year, and it's been about a year, and Perry's starting to play well. Well, with KP, yeah, he got hurt in February, did not do anything for a year. Right. He had a surgery in February of 2018, did not touch a basketball until basically he came to the Mavs yeah. in February, started practicing a little bit in March, started shooting around, started fully practicing later that month. KP's been back for about a year now, like mm-hmm. touching a basketball, and he's starting to do this sort of thing. Like he's been active yeah. for one year, yeah, almost to the day. And I, and I just I just I don't look at it as oh he's doing this because Luca's out. I mean everybody gets more opportunities when a guy has the ball a lot is out. Yeah, look at Dorian's scoring average without Luca. Yeah. Like he went up like five points. Right. So I don't look at you can come in if you want. Come on in. We're just podcasting. Think about Luca. Um, but I just I I th- I don't think this is just a matter of okay Luca's out so. Porzingis is going to get his. I think Porzingis is con- gradually playing better and better and better. And I don't think it dissipates suddenly. Like, dude, we haven't even really talked about Porzingis tonight. You want to know what he did? Awesome. He only had 27 and 13 on 16 shots. But wait, Luca's. <laughs> but wait, Luca's back. I thought is. I thought it was about getting yours and taking turns. No, it's not. Mm. It's about these two guys that are surging towards the prime of this particular season. And so I honestly, I'm sure there's a lot of people tell me I'm stupid, think the the ankle injury was a blessing in disguise. Could be. Because I think Luca was going to have played a ton and then go to the All-Star weekend and be the belle of the ball and then go and have like three days off. Whereas – yeah. He, dude, he was carrying a heavy load. He was, and there was some people that I was talking to who were like, "Hey, man, he's 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 taking on a lot." I mean, look and at I, his numbers. They were it was the same thing last year after the trade. I don't his three I point d- shooting went into the gutter. I didn't want to have that James Harden discussion with him about the playoffs and too much of a load. Mm. So, quite frankly, a look at this is a little bit of a blessing in disguise. He's going to go have a great weekend, and he's not exhausted right now. He just look at the game he just had. He's going to come back. He's going to have three days off. 
and then those two guys are about to dance. Yep, and this is very important that the timing is kind of all lining up because out of the All-Star break, seven of their first eight games are against teams with losing records, and then the ninth is at home against Memphis, who may or may not end up having a losing record by then. I think they Did you know they had the toughest schedule the entire NBA for the remainder of the year? Memphis does? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to jump the gun, but their primary competition for the ninth, uh, for the eighth seed is Portland, and Dame Lillard got hurt tonight. I saw that. Left Was it a groin, groin thing? Yeah, groin injury. So no Devin idea. Booker make the All Star game? Is that? Is that I don't know. I'm happened? asking you. Uh, I don't know. Either way, I, it's a shame that the 24 best players won't be at the All Star yeah, game. Yeah, no doubt, right? That. But uh, uh, yeah, so Dame is out. No idea for how long, but Portland is head and shoulders above everybody else in the West right now. I guess the Spurs are kind of sniffing around there too, um, but that kind of crystallizes the playoff picture if he misses too much time but anyway um seven of the first eight are against losing teams they're 23 and seven against losing teams this season they've played tied well now they're they've passed a team that they were tied with so only two teams in the west have played fewer games against losing teams than the maps have yeah so they have a pretty freaking easy schedule coming out of the break it's a lot of travel a lot of road there's some back-to-backs but if you take care of business and go Six and two, or mm-hmm. even five and three, which would kind of be anticlimactic. But if you go, if you go six and two, that puts you at what thirty nine and thirty and thirty nine and twenty four. Holy crap, dude! You're at that point, home. you've almost clinched a playoff spot. Yeah, and you're definitely reinserted yourself into the uh, into the home court mix because all of these teams that have played easier schedules than you have to sort of catch up catch on that. Up on you that know? Yeah. And the, the Mavs play Denver one more time. I think it's at Denver. Uh, they know. play Utah one more time. It's here. They mm-hmm. play U- uh, Houston both times in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, their games against really good teams are kind of like they're dwindling, right? Yeah. Uh, so now it's time to beat the teams that you should beat like right. they did tonight. So, and I think they're in a position to do that. Yeah. So Luka being back at full strength, KP being kind of like feeling himself. Maybe he might be the only guy that doesn't need the break right now. Yeah. I feel like he's really starting to feel himself a little yeah. bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean – it, it kind of appears to be like they should be able to storm out of the gates and they have a back-to-back Orlando and Atlanta, which is not going to be easy because it's a back-to-back on the road and everything, but that you should win those games. Yep. And then you're way over 500 and you can sort of like start thinking about who do we want to play in the playoffs, you know. Um, it's crazy fun. that we're having this conversation, man. It's going to be fun. But, uh, yeah, I guess my, my last Luca thought before we get out of here, um, this weekend is going to be a lot of Luca, And... Anytime it's your first time at the All-Star game, you get a lot of attention, and the Mavs are getting a lot of attention, and I think a lot of the attention is Luka and KP and everything, and the future is bright and all that stuff. And I've been thinking, too, like not only this season, what does Luka and KP look like, but like five years from now, what is the the end goal? Like what do we want this thing to become? Four championships? Yeah, I mean outside of winning every Uh, title. uh, I just thought like – Coming before before I got to the arena today, I was just thinking about basketball, and I was like, "Man, what does like what what does it look like when LeBron plays? Not from an athletic standpoint, but like mentally. Like LeBron got so much better throughout his career to the point where I don't know if you ever think about this, but when I watch LeBron play an average game now, not even against the Mavs, just mm-hmm. against a team on a day of the week." He almost plays mistake-free basketball every single game. It's it's very I'm sorry to do it's very Tom Brady-ish. It's per he plays perfect. Yeah, now right? I don't mean Tom Brady of this year. I meant Tom Brady of like two years yeah, ago. Yeah. But you know what I mean. I mean he 
every single decision seemingly that he makes is correct. They can't now, throw anything at him that yeah. he doesn't know how to. Now he misses shots. Sure. And every now and then he'll throw a pass out of bounds, but like the idea is there, yeah. right? Like everything he does is efficient. Yep. Uh, he knows his spots. He knows yep. where he wants to go. He knows when it's time to take over a game. He knows when it's time to push the pace, slow it down, mm -hmm. get on someone's ass if mm -hmm. you need to. Right. Uh, give him a pat on the butt and tell him it's going to be okay. Right. Every single time I watch LeBron play, I'm like, this guy is perfect. Giannis is starting to get there, but we've we've started seeing that happening over the last couple of years, and mm -hmm. that's the road that Luca is going to be on to where, and KP too, I think. If they're going to succeed together at like the, the highest level, they have to be more efficient, not scoring the ball, but with their decision making. Yep. To where if you have two hundred critical decisions per game, you're getting at least a hundred and ninety of them right. And yeah. right now it's not there, right? There Luca is still does a lot of dumb stuff. Dude, here's His my favorite thing. He did he made there's this outlet pass he threw tonight that was so junior Brutal. high. And Brutal. my I can't I don't even try to do this. I always immediately look at Rick. I mean, I just <laughs> Me can't too. help it. Me I can't too. help it. It's like, oh, what is Rick doing right now? Yeah. You uh, can see him, like, get up and, burying like, his head, <laughs> burying his eyes in his hand. And then I look at Lucas, you know, pounding his chest. You don't want to look at him. <laughs> it's so but, great. But the thing is, that play came after a run in which he traveled, and then he slung a pass right into someone's chest. Yeah. He plays for the Kings out of the post. I mean, and, and look, no one is ever perfect. LeBron, whatever. You can make fun of him for 2011 until you die, or you can just appreciate how good he's become. Right. And there are certain players <laughs> who, when they reach that level, their moves look the same, their shot profile looks the same, even their numbers look the same per game. LeBron is averaging the same thing now that he did when he was 20 years old. There's been little variance throughout his career. But what is different is – their, their aptitude mm -hmm. and like their decision making in a game and so I think five years from now if Luke and KP are still together and if the Mavs are still good and all of this stuff if 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 this thing is going to be working it's going to be because whenever you watch Luca play a Tuesday game at home against the Hornets in January the fourth game of a homestand that no one wants to be at instead of blowing an 11 point fourth quarter lead it's going to be just a painful way for them to lose because Luke is going to extract every single one of their teeth one by one <laughs> from the opening tip until the end of the game and that's just what it's that that is fully realized Luca to me is just a surgical obnoxious thorn in your side that you cannot frazzle no matter what and he will not beat himself KP won't beat himself and they will just outlast you and that, that's the thing I think is that's really hard for people to fathom is that we have not scratched the surface of this greatness no, we haven't we haven't, and we might not next year or no. the year after that. Dude, uh, Lucas, twenty years old. Yeah, go back and look at LeBron. When did I mean? You know, it yeah. takes a while. LeBron made it to the finals, the finals in his fourth year, mm -hmm. uh, but that was in they arguably got, the we the weakest Eastern Conference ever. It was horrible, and they got dusted. They did, and LeBron didn't make it back until the to the finals until twenty eleven. Yeah, whenever he was what 26, 27 years mm -hmm. old. Imagine if it takes Luca seven years to go to the finals. Yeah, it, are we going to be okay? Yeah, I won't. Are, are we going to be okay? Yeah, I'm not sure it will either. I'm not sure it will either because it's looking right now, man. I mean, beyond like when Luca's second deal kicks in, it's going to be a totally different West, man. Yeah, like LeBron will It'd be gone. Might be retired. Yeah, the Warriors will be done. Yeah, the Rockets are going to be on the on oh the backside. Oh my backslide. God, the Rockets! I mean, the Nuggets will be there. 
And we you think? Know, there's some other uh, maybe. I, Jokic is really freaking. He's awesome. good, but I'm just saying that yeah, you know the unknown I mean, is the unknown. Yeah, the the I mean the Jazz probably. You think? I mean, yeah, I mean I think those are also good organizations. So, yeah. yeah, I would I would think but so. Those guys aren't Luca. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix figures it out and is a and is a player. And I mean, yeah, I mean maybe. I mean they need some other moves. Don't get me wrong, but I'm a believer in Aiton and Booker's and the Grizzlies. God Almighty, John Morant, who oh man, my first yeah. time seeing him in person, and oh my, God, so he knows so how to good. play basketball. That was Dude. the thing. Is yeah. like you know, and a lot of times you can't really tell in college, but uh, aside from the absurd athleticism. That guy knows how to play basketball. Yeah. He played almost a mistake-free And now the Mavs made it easy for them. Yeah. Like, they were not really in his face or playing very hard on defense. <laughs> but, dude, Jaw destroyed them. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. he's It's very obnoxious. Now, he he will take a step back next year. You think so? Yep. Why? Sophomore they all do. Just they all do. Remember Luka when didn't. we anointed – well, Luca's Luca. <laughs> I mean – you want to talk about Donovan Mitchell's second year? Yeah. I mean, we were talking about Donovan Mitchell as a rookie. Is oh my God, will there ever be anything like this again? You know, it's just mm-hmm. it's the it's the way it goes. Yeah. Look at Tatum's second year. Yeah, a little bit of a step. Back. I mean, it's the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for but, most, for most, for most. But I think John Morant's got the wiring. You know, dude, he's awesome. He's awesome. And the Mavs were what one or two numbers away from. Getting either him or Zion, and oh instead uh, the Hawks now have Cam Reddish. <laughs> what that's, a weird world! That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. Um, okay, well, we'll be back. Uh, I don't know when. We won't podcast next week. We won't. Will we? I don't know. Do we need to do a post All Star podcast? Uh, well, I mean, basketball is back on Thursday, so the Mavs okay. will be practicing on Wednesday. Yep. Uh, they open the All-Star break on the road on Thursday and Friday, back-to-back against, I think, or- if something Orlando extra- and Atlanta. If something extraordinary happens this weekend, we'll pod. Okay. If not, then we'll let the... Uh, so it's Orlando Friday night, Atlanta Saturday night? I think Thursday and Friday. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, no, Friday, right. Friday, it's Friday and Saturday, because I'm going to the Atlanta game. Okay, and I'll then they're back Atlanta. home for someone... Uh, uh, for a Monday? My God, who are they playing? The, it's not the Spurs. It's, well, let me uh, look in my phone. It's, oh, come on uh, in. Seriously, come on in. It's. Well, what do you want? What, what do you want to come in? Do you want to <laughs> say? Come clear it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We'll be yep. on in like two minutes. Okay. Do you want to talk on the podcast? Um, Minnesota. So D'Lo and, uh, oh, okay. and uh, Carl Towns. Which, and, by the way, I like that trade for Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. We'll see how that goes. Dude, the West never gets easier. No. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, we'll be back. Uh, if I may, I would like to promote a podcast that I'm recording tomorrow with yes. Tim Cato. Oh, the great uh, the Tim Athletic. Cato. Yeah, he's coming on. I think that'll probably go on Ceiling is the Roof. So if you're looking for uh, a Mavs podcast to hold you over for the weekend or into next week, check that out. I'm Will sure you send it to me? Over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, if it's Ceiling is the Roof, it'll download into my. Only if you're subscribed I'm on subscribing. iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast skin. I'm a subscriber. You professional man, you. You're not going to make it a four-pointer? Uh, might. Okay. I might. Well, Michael, Mike is going to the All-Star game, so when he comes back, we'll, we might try and get uh, something with him, too. But radio news never stops, dude. you got Jake moving up in uh, in the ticket world, too. I love and, Jake. Yeah. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, and he's he's Mavs.com's own as well. So it's big. It's a big time for all of us right now. It's a big time for uh, all of us, not just for what? the players. And uh, you know For those that care about this sort of thing, uh, you know, I like to compete, but I also have friends. The, <laughs> oh, whoa. <laughs> the fan is about to make a big announcement. Are they really? Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it, but they're about to do some things. Wow. So uh, it's an exciting time in DFW Dude, everyone's radio. everyone's gearing up for, I guess, for 
for what? Mass everybody, playoff run or what? Everybody's gearing up for a mass playoff run. <laughs> yeah, the Eagles like, we so need Ben and Skin. We made a big announcement. Then the ticket made a big announcement. And expect the fan to make a big announcement here in the next kinda, day Is that two. how the industry works? I guess. Who yeah. cares? You got uh, you got Phoenix trading for Shaq, so the Mavs go and get J-Kid. There you go. That's exactly. That's how the world works. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we may or may not see you next week, but uh, we'll be in your hearts always. I know you'll be in mine. Is that your sign-off? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's 1221 in the morning. I'm Bye. Uh, about 10 minutes away from my bed gear mattress. I got to drive to Allen. Oh, my God. I do not envy you. Uh, <laughs> you want to edit this podcast on the way home? Or? Uh, no, no. That's on you. Okay. <laughs> I do, right. You're right. I don't envy okay. you. All right. All right, cool. Uh, well, we'll see you all. Thank you for listening. And uh, until we see you again, it is Numbers on the Boards. Woo!